you are listening to the Spiritual Warrior Coach with Barbara Sabin, the podcast for discovering how powerful your wisdom, compassion, and courage is. Get ready to join Barbara and her guests as they explore and offer you advice on how to reclaim your power, your energy, and your authentic self. And now, here's the host of the show, Barbara Sabin. Well, thank you for joining me today and welcome. I am Barbara Sabin, your spiritual warrior coach, and I am here to help you reclaim your power, your energy, and your authentic self. You know, I am a clinical medical hypnotherapist, Reiki master and teacher, energy healing specialist, life coach, and best-selling author of Gentle Energy Touch, The Beginner's Guide to Hands-On Healing. You know, I have been helping my clients for over 35 years, and the older I get, hmm, the more wisdom seems to come through. So isn't it time that you believe in yourself? You know, your mind is going to provide you with your greatest challenges in life because it's so very, very powerful. So let's use it for positive thinking, creating harmony, balance, peace, love, happiness, and anything else that your heart desires. Because one day the world will tap you on your shoulder and say, this is your time to shine. And speaking about a shining, incredible lady, I'm going to bring her on right now. Hi, Denise. How are you? <laughs> Hi, I'm good. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me, Barbara. Oh, thank you. And I'm going to tell my listeners a little bit about you. You know, Denise grew up loving all animals. And as an adult, she developed a passion for rescues. And in addition to writing, Denise volunteers for local animal shelters. And Denise is a family nurse practitioner and a mom to four humans and a dog. And we'll get into that in a little bit. A forever family through adoption, which all started with her beloved pet, Harley. And she believes animals teach us very important lessons. And boy, do I know that that is the truth. So welcome to the show. I'm so happy that, that you're on. And, and I want to thank you so much for this beautiful book, which I want to talk about in, in a I'm little so bit. I'm so excited that you like it. I, <laughs> oh. I, it is my passion. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. So, you know, I, I, I know besides animals, you adopted children. We did. Um, it, it all, it's an interesting, so I'm a nurse, I'm a family nurse practitioner. Right. And I, my husband and I met later on in life. We didn't meet until we were in our mid to late thirties. In fact, I had kind of given up on thinking I was going to find someone. Oh. <laughs> and then I wonderfully got my husband. Patience is a virtue, ladies. <laughs> wait for the right one. Mm -hmm. um, not that there's only one, but, you know, mm -hmm. wait for, wait for it. It can still wait come even it. later on in life. Um, and when we got, when we started dating, and this is where the nurse practitioning part came in. I was pretty early on with my husband. I said, you know, I, how important are biological children to you? Because I've never tried. I'm 36. Um, and if that's, if that's a deal breaker for you, I don't want to fall in love, get married, not be able to have biological children, mm -hmm. and then find out that that was a deal breaker. And we end up, our marriage ends up breaking up. Mm. And he immediately responded with, we'll adopt. 
my husband and I got married within six months of starting to date. So that gives a little background into the fact that I didn't at the time know that his father and his father's whole side of the family, his grandparents adopted all of his aunts and uncles, including his father. Wow. So adoption was already part of his story. And we got married um, back in 2000 and December 2010 to, just to January of 2011. Um, he wanted us married for tax season by the end of tax season. And I said, well, then I want our anniversary to be one, 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 one. And the compromise was we got married over midnight. So bless all of our parents and family members who stayed awake um, for the countdown. Cause that was actually part of our wedding ceremony. Very small. We only had our family. Um, we went through four rounds of infertility treatments. We went to the Czech Republic. We were in Prague um, unsuccessfully, even with first with my eggs, which turned out to be very tired. And then with donor eggs. Um, and we just decided that adoption was what was supposed to be part of our family. And we started out trying to, to look into adoption, even while we were doing infertility treatments, but they were really adamant that they wanted us to be fully through the process of infertility treatments, um, before we went into adoption. So we did, um, and lo and behold, and it's a whole process that we don't want to, I, I could, I could probably give an entire podcast about the process of, of how this went, but, um, we ended up meeting, we decided we wanted to adopt a sibling set, um, went through parenting classes. Our adoption agency in California was amazing. Um, had some incredible parenting classes. A lot of our friends, uh, with children had said, man, we were somebody given us those classes prior to becoming parents. So we feel very blessed uh, that that was part of our story. And then these four children came into our lives. They are full-blooded siblings. And when they moved in with us in 2018, they were one, two, three, and four, and they are now four, five, six, and seven. Wow. Oh, it's a handful. <laughs> and I didn't really expect to be 47, almost 48 years old with, with littles, but you know, there's, it's a mixed blessing, right? There's wisdom, yeah. as you just mentioned, that comes with age. Mm -hmm. Um, and with having a partner who is truly my partner in all of this. And so I don't know that I could have done this in my twenties or early thirties. It, it's definitely challenging, but they bring so many blessings as anyone who's got kids knows it's, oh, um, yes. your heart just is overjoyed, you know? And that first time I heard them call me mommy, um, my father, the first time my parents heard children, cause they're in their seventies. Now they, they have said, could you not have started this maybe a little bit earlier? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, uh -huh. But the first time I heard that really, my dad cried the first time he heard a, a small little voice call me mommy. Oh, that is such a touching story. And uh, uh, the, uh, all boys, girls? We what? have three boys and one girl. So ah. our seven-year-old is, is Brent is a boy. Our daughter, Bella, is six. Our son, Brady, is five, and our son, Brian, is four. And they're all about ready to start birthdays. Their birthdays are November through February. Wow, so they're only a year apart. Yeah, and the oldest two are only 11 months apart. Wow, that's, uh, that's close. It's very, really very close. close. Yeah, very, very close. It's like they're, they're all twins, you could say. Do they get along well with one another? They do do they i mean they're toddler they're toddler elementary school children so we we all know that 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 can lead to 
to battles, but it also mm-hmm. leads to best friends. And, yeah. you know, sometimes it takes, my sister and I were probably in our twenties before we realized we really had our best friend and our sister. Um, Cause we were three years apart um, mm-hmm. and that put us in high school together. So, you know, there are difficult times, but they have built-in playmates and so that's good. They so- really do. They love each other. So, um, that, to, I mean, to, to adopt four children, that's a beautiful thing. I mean, people usually do maybe one or maybe two, uh, but four. And, and so they've been with you now for two years. Um, um it's or- about three years. Oh, three well, years. 18, 19, 20, 21. So September, our, our gotcha day, um, for them. And then our rescue was a month later after they moved in our, the current rescue Sierra dog. So fur kid, um, they moved in in September of 2018 and we adopted them officially in uh, May of 2019. So, so it takes a, it's a long process to do this. It is, but we actually had a, a we had a much quicker process than a, than a lot of families do. A lot of families um, go through um, and it really is a very emotional time when you're in those stages prior to adoption. And, you know, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't tell an adoption story where we also talk about the love of their their birth parents, um, at least through their birth mom. We know how much their birth mom loved them. Um, she, she did what was right for them. Um, and she did it voluntarily, which, you know, all adoption stories and wonderful stories starts with loss. And the well, kids have that as well. But did so, they know the, uh, their regular mom? So their birth mom was not part of the picture actually for us at all through the process. Okay. Um, uh, we have let them know that when they're 18 um, and they can make different decisions because they have the same birth parents, but they don't all have to make the same decision. But if they're wanting to meet their birth parents, we will help them at the age of 18 be able to do that. Um in their young age right now, we're, we're hoping to give them a little stability mm-hmm. um, so that there's not multiple people coming in and out of their lives. Um, but um, so they, when they're 18, we'll help them meet them. And we talk about them. their birth parents. We talk about their foster parents. They have more money. They have more money. They have more <laughs> memories. I memories. did not mean money. They mm-hmm. have more memories of, because they were young, they have more memories of their foster parents. Um, essentially than they do their birth parents. The oldest has some memories and they, they all do, whether it's a little subconscious, right? Cause we all, the research has shown that an adopted child, even if adopted at birth, um, depending on how that birth mom felt during that pregnancy about the pregnancy, um, if there was a lot of stress involved in it, and it doesn't even have to be adoption, honestly, if there's a lot of stress during a pregnancy, those stress hormones do affect the child. So, I don't, I mean, I don't know their birth mom, so I can't really speak to to all of it. I know that she loved them and she made a choice that Mm -hmm. she thought was best for them and did it voluntarily. But if there was any discount, what they, what they've found through research is that while you're pregnant, um, a mother who's excited to be pregnant and is talking to their baby and rubbing their tummy and connecting with their child, that that releases certain hormones as does the hormones that get released. If you're stressed about the pregnancy and you're not connected with the pregnancy mm-hmm. um, and you're separating yourself mentally from that pregnancy, that actually affects children as well. So the research, Texas Christian university has some of the research that I'm most familiar with, and I can't quote statistics, but 
that even children that are adopted at birth that have had that kind of disconnection during the pregnancy have trouble with connection and bonding or potentially can. So now, so they were in foster homes uh, from day one? No. So they went into foster homes when our youngest was about a month old. So that would have put them at essentially kind of birth one, two, and three. Three. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. I know my, um, my husband was in foster homes. Um, His mom died right after giving birth to him. So he never Mm. knew her. And, um, and uh, his father, um, it was him, him and his sister, Isabel. And uh, he just, of course, couldn't take care of them because he had to work and make money. And um, so, yeah, they, they were in and out of foster homes. And then when the, the, his father finally, uh, after, I think it was maybe five years of them being in and out of foster homes, um, remarried, then the mom actually adopted the two of them. So oh, that's and, wonderful. Yeah. But yeah, he, uh, I think you know, it, it's challenging when you're, put into different situations, especially as a child, because you need to feel safe, you mm-hmm. know, and protected. But, um, mm-hmm. and there were times that he was separated from his sister. So, which made it more challenging, but it's nice that yeah. they, you know, uh, you're four, they, they, they were all together, which they kept which them is, together. Yes. They kept them together, which, uh, mm-hmm. which should be, I feel because they're all, you know, they need to be together. Mm-hmm. But placement is so difficult as, as Mm -hmm. you know, within foster homes, right? So placement is difficult for just a single child, let alone trying to put four in the same home. So yeah, but they managed to do it though. mm -hmm. And then we were, we were blessed um, again, like I said, and we had been looking, they weren't even in, I think one of the most, I don't know, there's so many parts of the process that are so difficult and so much of it is their story. So I'm really careful to not tell their story because yeah. they're going to be old enough to tell their own story mm-hmm. at some point. So it's just about my story within the journey. Um, but I remember when we first got approved going into the, the adoption, our, our agency's office, and you're given these binders of children looking for homes wow. and you just like, you honestly, we knew we wanted a sibling set and we knew that we wanted between, we had, were Cause you know, you're given, I don't know if you know this or not, you're given, okay, you're approved for, this is the Grzynski family. They're approved for two to four children, um, age up to 10. So mm. we went to a, we went to a, um, I don't know if you've ever seen instant family, they have that kind of park scene where they all it's instant family is, is very, it was written by somebody who went through the adoption process. He pretty much told his and his wife's story. Um, And so those scenes were very real. We didn't end up going to a park where you met up with children in real life. You, they have those, we just couldn't go to the one that they had. So instead we were in the office with these binders and it is just, it's absolutely heartbreaking. So you literally look for, you know, okay, wait, where's the sibling set and then skip to the sibling set so that you're not looking into all of these eyes. And then we went to what I essentially called speed dating for adoption, where they had um, social workers come from different counties in the area, and they had some children that were available for adoption. 
you do this picture collage of your family that tells a little bit of your story. You come with a stack of the pictures and you, you get lined up, you get to the front of the line and you're like, we're the Grzynski family. We are approved for X, Y, Z, kind of like I just said, and here's our collage. And do you have any children that meet that? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay. That meet that criteria. Mm -hmm. And so it really did feel like speed dating. And although none of those children ended up coming to fruition for us, um, our children weren't actually in any of the books. They weren't in any of, I'm not sure why, but they weren't, but by meeting that social worker there, she, one of those social workers is how we ultimately learned of our children. Oh, what an incredible story. I hope you're writing a book on this. <laughs> we definitely, I, my, I keep having people ask on my blog because I've told my infertility story on my blog, mm-hmm. um, but I haven't yet got to the stories for the kids and people keep asking. And part of what I say is this is a much more difficult, the infertility I could write about and I can talk about till kingdom come, but mm-hmm. I have to be so careful. There's little, yeah, there's the four little hearts yeah. that are going to listen to the story. So mm-hmm. I think what I'm going to end up doing is I'm going to write them each a letter about my dreams for their lives and kind of interweave each of their personalities into that without, again, without telling their story. Cause that's not my place to yeah, tell their it's, story. It's their, it's their story. Yeah. I understand that. Wow. It's um, so not now. I mean, you have a family of four beautiful children and you also rescue uh, animals. Yes. And it started there when I was single and living in Florida and adopted Harley came into my life. So that is that was my first rescue on my own. My parents had done some rescue, but that was Harley was my first dog that was. Yep. He is all he was all mine. Mm -hmm. So Um, I was working in an emergency room in Florida at the time in Miami beach. And I had been kind of looking for a companion. A bunch of my friends had dogs. Miami beach is very pet friendly. You go to restaurants and they're allowed on the outdoor patios and everything. So um, I had been looking and a student nurse was working with me and she said, I see you looking at, at dogs. We just, I work for a vet a veterinarian's office as a front desk person during, you know, to earn money while I'm in nursing school. And we just had a Yorkshire Terrier that his family couldn't keep him. Mm. Um, Mom and dad were getting a divorce. They had children. Um, Mom's new boyfriend didn't want the kids or the dog. So the dog ended up at the veterinarian's office looking for a home. Um, And you could tell he'd been tortured with food. He had some food issues that we had to overcome where he did what's called resource guarding for animals. Um, But she said, if you want him, he's free. If let me call the vet's office, make sure nobody else. And one of the mother's friends had taken him home and in one day took him back. Cause she said, oh. all he wants to do is be on my lap. I, I can't stand this. I don't want him. So we had about 24 to 48 hours with this other in this other family after being shifted around. Oh, poor thing. Um, so the poor little thing was just, he, he was so timid and shy and afraid. Um, but we became the best of friends and I had him for five. He was with me for five years before I met my husband. So we moved to Rhode Island together. I, he loved to be with me wherever I went. So he would travel in the car with me. We'd pop in the car. We went and toured up to Toronto, just the two of us. He went to Plymouth rock with me. He's probably seen more (laughs) sites in the United States than a lot of people. Uh So Salem, I I was like, Oh, let's drive to Salem this afternoon. I want to go see some of the museums and stuff. Now, 
That is the one thing about having a dog because you can't do it in the heat of the summer and take a dog with you because then you can't go into a museum where the dog's not allowed. So right. you do have to do some planning around that. But he went on flights with me. He took plane flights with me. He just, as long as we were together, we were, we were happy. Friends. Yeah. Isn't that a beautiful story? So now I, I reading the book, I, he was diagnosed with di diabetes. He was. So the first, the first kind of clue, and you can do a whole lot of guilt trips on yourself, right? Throughout your life. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh -huh. my first warning sign, and you know, you, you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> my first warning sign was when they told me he was overweight and they had me switch to a, uh, a weight loss dog food, which after he got diagnosed with diabetes, there's a whole food thing around that we can talk mm -hmm. about because I found out about prescription dog foods and then, yeah, it, it ended up being, I, so I can go all the way back to there and I could beat myself up over that, but you know, I did, I, I yeah. did what I was told mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, he did lose some weight. He started exercising more. And he tells, he tells that in his story too, because mm -hmm. he goes through these periods of time where as my family, he tells his own story in the book, as you know, I know. so am I going to be given away? Do I have too many issues right. for my family? Mm -hmm. um, so he ultimately is going to learn what unconditional love means, but we had him exercise more. He lost the weight, but in 2010, actually a month before I got married, he got diagnosed with diabetes. Um, I called up the vet's office and I said, look, in a human peeing more frequently, he's having accidents when he was potty trained um, and he's drinking more water. And in any of my human patients, I would be looking for diabetes. What is that in a dog? And the vet said, bring him right in. It's diabetes. It's probably diabetes. It's the same symptoms for a dog. Oh, so okay. I went into the vet's office and their blood sugars are supposed to be around about 130, which is approximately where humans are supposed to be as well. Mm -hmm. um, and his blood sugars were over 400. Mm. So, and the vet told me at that time, a lot of humans don't, aren't paying as close attention to their pets signs and symptoms. They don't, and, or they just don't know what to look for. So a lot of times when they see diabetes in an animal, a lot of times it can be too late that their organs are in organ failure, that they're shutting down because they've been diabetic for a very long time and undiagnosed. And so um, I think the journey to writing the book kind of probably started right there. Right there. With, I never want another pet owner to miss the signs and symptoms of diabetes. Mm -hmm. I got lucky because I'm, I'm a provider. I'm a nurse yeah, practitioner. Nurse. Mm -hmm. So um, that's where the journey to writing the story really started. And, and I had no kids at the time. So I had no idea that the adoption piece of that, what the adoption piece of this book would ultimately mean to my family when I wrote it. Oh, there's a dog. Sorry. Oh, it's good. It's not good. I'm used to it. There's the current dog. I, I love that noise. Yeah. Uh -huh. Speaking of dogs. Yes, speaking of dogs. And I, I'm guessing that the pool guy is here and that may not stop for just a little bit. So oh, sorry, everybody who's yeah. listening. We're good. So, all right. So, I mean, I we've always adopted. I, I adopted um, a Roddy when he was only, uh, I think, a few weeks old. Uh, then I had uh, um, another little dog, Buddy. He was adopted. Um, and then um, Buddy was adopted, Sammy, and then Rudy, and the little girl, and Alex, who's 19, is still alive, mind you. Oh, 
he's, 19. he's 19 and he's still going. Uh, but she, the, the little girl, Sandy died from diabetes. Oh my and goodness. Oh, got, and I think, you know, she died four years ago and I thought, you know, he would, you know, end up dying maybe a, a year or so later, but he, he's living now four years beyond her. And, um, I really feel in my heart. It was the, it was the insulin. Uh, it was the, the weight loss food, you know, this, I don't want to mention the name, uh, but, you but know. prescription dog food. Yes. So prescription when dog he food. got, so when Harley got diagnosed with diabetes, I was given another prescription dog food mm -hmm. and I read, I started to look into the ingredients and things. And I really, oh boy, there's somebody coming in oh, the back door too. It's okay. Um, so I've got a lot of commotion going on in my house at all times. Hello, everybody. Welcome to life with four children. That's my sitter, Alexa, that just walked in the door. Um, so I started looking at ingredients and what I realized mm -hmm. with the diabetic dog food was the number one filler ingredient in my diabetic dog food were ground beets which is sugar. Yes. And so I went back to my vet and talked to them about it. And they called the company, the prescription dog food company and talked to them. And what their response was, was tell your client to stop picking apart little bits of the dog food. Oh. And the, when the vet said it to me, they said it to me and they went, it's okay. Mm -hmm. Go figure out what you're going to feed him. And then just let us know. We yeah. get it. We understand. So I probably know more about pet nutrition now and pet fillers look like I know more about pet food now than I probably know about human food because I send my humans to a nutritionist when it gets a little bit above, because I oh, always say, sure. you know, family practice, we know a little bit about a lot of things. Mm -hmm. So when we dive too far deep, then I got to send you to a specialist. So I do send some, a lot of my patients to nutritionists. So I know a lot more about dog food at this point, um, in the game. And then we had a similar experience, Barbara, and I am so sorry for yours where bl Harley's blood Much sugars were high. Mm -hmm. And so they kept upping his insulin okay. and we got to a place where I said, this is too much. This is a, this is a 13 pound dog. And he's now on six units of insulin twice a day. Now, you know, large dogs can be like 30 units of insulin. I mean, it can, there's a lot of weight based on oh, what yeah. their, what their requirements are. But I said, this just can't be right. 12 units a day for this smaller dog Little just dog. seems too much. So I had a diabetic educator in my office at the time, and she introduced me to something called a Samoji effect. And that mm -hmm. is when you get a dose of insulin and it drops your sugars too low. And so then your body starts holding on to all of the, all of your sugar to raise oh. it back up again. And so you drop low and then you go really high. And so what happens is, is you can end up not catching that. And the way to catch it is really through a glucose curve, which mm -hmm. vets offices do frequently. One of my hacks, my financial hacks to having a pet with special needs is to do as many things as you can at home. So my vet's office was charging about $20 and 50 cents at the time. This is years ago, right? The 2010 to do a, a glucose curve, which you take a fasting blood sugar in the morning, and then you do, you feed them, give them their insulin and you do blood sugars every two hours after that. And, um, what you, what we found in it was that Harley was doing that exact same thing. So instead of needing more insulin, he was needing less insulin. Oh, so okay. I ended up getting a glucometer and I ended up doing his blood sugars at home, which if you think about 20, $20 and 50 cents 
into a 12 hour period, six of them, that's, we that's a to, lot of money at the vet office. So, yeah, so we used to bring her all the time because we didn't know how to do it. Yeah. So I did learn there were mm -hmm. some, I, I keep telling myself I should do a YouTube video training on, on how to do it, but there are a lot of YouTube yeah. videos out there on how to do it. And I no longer have a diabetic dog. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes you can use their ears. Um, sometimes you can use their paws, but unfortunately with Harley, we had to use his inner lip. None of those gave us enough blood supply to get a glucose, to get Ooh. a specimen from him. Okay. And when his sugar was low, you could see it. You would lift up his lip and I could see the, how white his, his mucosa looked. And I would know, I would apologize to him right from the beginning. I'm yeah. like, little, little man, I'm sorry. This sorry. is probably going to take more than one stick to get, to get the blood from you. And it did, but I know he knew he felt better with insulin because you could call him for his insulin. He did not like the inner lip pokes, you know, but he, he'd get them done. Sometimes it took two people, depending on how he was feeling that day. <laughs> mm -hmm. But if I called him for his insulin, if I went to the refrigerator and I called him for his insulin, he came running for his shots twice a day. So I know that little guy knew that he felt better when he started getting the insulin, when we got the dose, right. So it turned out that rather yeah. than increasing, we needed to decrease his to dose. Decrease it. Yeah. And I think that's what the problem with, with mine, you know, and then she ended up having convulsions oh, and my heart. And, oh, that was, that was horrible just I mean you can't I, you, I can't even describe what went on you know and I was by myself at mm. the time because my husband he he went to Florida and he was coming home that next day and mm. she ended up dying that night and oh, wow. you know there's not what what can you know when they're well you know they're constantly convulsing you bring them to the emergency room they're trying to help them and it's just not happening yeah. So, yeah. So it well, was my a heart tough breaks for you, Yeah. Thank but you. we can't do the coulda, shoulda, wouldas. No, we think no. about the rainbow bridge. Yes. They're waiting for us there. Mm -hmm. Um, that's my next book, by the way, is going to teach kids about grief when I can get oh. around to it. I have a stack of yeah. books to write the next life lessons <clears throat> from fur friends, um, about grief. Oh, but so I good. love the rainbow bridge. Anybody, I if you're a too. pet owner and you don't know the rainbow bridge, you need to know the rainbow bridge. It's oh, they're waiting for us. And the minute they see us come, there comes the running and the licking and, and we're, you know, we're, we're all together again. And, mm -hmm. and I really feel as a healer, you know, I, I, uh, when I do, uh, sessions, I can actually see people from a different vibration, you know, people that have passed mm -hmm. over and stuff. So I know, you know, because I can see and feel and hear, uh, that there is something else that when we leave our physical body the physical body leaves but the energetic body doesn't and and then we're all together again and it's so it's just such know. a beautiful i mean it's oh the rainbow the bridge thought of oh, being yeah. all together again and mm -hmm. having and seeing them mm -hmm. suddenly stop and yes. they <laughs> go away from the other animals that they're playing with yes it's because <clears throat> they see you in the distance I they mean that's you. just such a and I look at you know I look at our whole family as who rescued who right like that saying of who mm -hmm. rescued who that's all of us yeah you know yes we we were able to rescue four children and a dog and a fur fur kid but they rescue us right back all of us we know that you know that blood pressures drop you know, animals teach, have taught my children to be more gentle. They need reminders sometimes, but early on you, I would hear Sierra growl in the background and I'd be Sierra saying, no, thank you. 
I don't know where you're at, but Sierra's saying, no, thank you. Can you stop whatever you're doing that Sierra's saying, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Animals show us that. I mean, true unconditional love mm -hmm. without a doubt. Yes. There's no, there's no, they, they don't say, well, you need to do this for me and I, I'll kiss you and hug you. No, no. Well, and they're so forgiving. I mean, yes. at, as you know, through rescuing animals, mm -hmm. they have been through some pretty traumatic things. And sometimes we won't ever know their full story, but their ability mm -hmm. to forgive humans that have hurt them in the past, they didn't end up in a shelter for no reason. Kids don't end up adopted for no reason. Well, that's, <laughs> yeah, I know when we adopted Sandy and, and Alex, you know, I, I called them my little girl and little boy. Uh, they were maybe about six or seven months old. And um, I, th this is right. I, I had lost Sammy, um, my Roddy, a, a year before. And I said, all right, I, I can't go through this. And at first it was Buddy, then Sammy. And the heartbreak was like, something I've never experienced with the two, with the two dogs. And um, we were walking somewhere and there was an adoption, a dog adoption. I just happened to look over and the two of them like looked right in my eyes. And I said, all right, no, no I, I, I have to leave. But they, well, I, I it was like a psychic uh, thing. They here. connected with you. Oh my God. And, <laughs> and then um, uh, the gal had packed up all the animals, you know, that were, that weren't adopted. And I ran over to the, to the, um, um, the truck. And I said, please, I, I need to see these two, you know, and she's, oh, which two. And I, I you know, explained and she's, oh my, I just, no one wants to adopt them. They're not friendly. Mm. Just like, I says, please, I'm begging you. What a I way says, to not get them adopted. Exactly. Right. So I says, please, <laughs> I'm begging you just, just, you know, take them out so I, I can, you know, see, you know, feel them. So she took out the little girl first and the little girl just jumped on me, was licking me like crazy. And the lady was like, oh my God, you know, and then she took out him, Alex and the same thing. And she says, this has never happened. I says, well, because maybe the right people just haven't come along. I says, so I'm taking mm -hmm. them home. And we took, we took oh. them home. Yeah. And what so, a wonderful yeah. story about them too. Cause I mean, they did, yes. they found their, they found their people. They did. They did. And she says, everyone, you know, actually somebody actually adopted them and brought them back. Yeah. <sighs> And what and, trauma for them. And that's so difficult. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I says, mm -mm, they're mine. Mm -hmm. I says, you know, and you know, they had some issues, but mm -hmm. we were able to overcome everything with them. And they, they, they were two of the most loving ever, you know, uh, dogs. And, and well, when and I would need look people that'll be patient with them because exactly. rescue dogs, rescued mm -hmm. children, rescued people. <laughs> Yes, yes. We all need patience. You know, I am constantly apologizing to my kids. I'm a new mom mm -hmm. with four kids. I, you know, <laughs> I haven't, I got thrown into it and I'm very sorry for you kids, but I'm learning as we go and I make big mistakes. And so, yeah, but we all need that kind of patience. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, it's such a beautiful thing that we can all learn from each other. That, that's it. And, 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 you know, with them, uh, the two of them, it was just, uh, just pure love, pure love. And so we actually had them since they were six years old, you know, and as I mentioned, he's, he's 19. So it, it's a long time, very long time. 
a wonderful commitment to each other, but it's a commitment people need to be aware of before they do it. Oh yeah. And, and the thing is, if you're going to do it, you have to do it a hundred percent. There's no yes. in between. Yeah. That's what it's interesting that you say that because that's somebody went during this adoption for kids too. Like it's amazing how much overlap there is, but somebody had said, you know, we just went into this with the idea that it doesn't matter the problems that we have. We're mm -hmm. going to work on them as a family. And that's exactly how we went into adoption of our fur kids and our human kids that, you know, it doesn't matter what's going on. This is, we're going to work through it. We're going to get through it together as a family. So there has never been that option of even prior. I mean, now we've adopted the kids, but there's never been that option of we'll just give them back. We didn't have that option when we adopted fur kids. We didn't have that option. When we adopted human kids. It's mm -hmm. we're going to get through it and we're going to learn to work with each other. Yeah, because if you take them home, how can you give them up? I don't know. You fall in love. I fall in love instantly. So it's. <laughs> I, I do too. And the thing is, when he goes, you know, I, I said to my husband, gee, what, what are we going to do? You know, but we'll just take it a day at a time. I don't know. Maybe there'll be some others that I'll, mm -hmm. you know, just pass by and look and say, uh oh, they gotta come home with me again. I think so, you're yeah. going to know when you're ready. And I love the saying, um, I don't even remember where I read it now, but I think it was cold noses at the pearly gates might've been where I read it. There's a book called cold noses at the pearly gates. And, um, it, it was, it's not replacing the one mm -hmm. you lost. Oh, you never replaced it. Is no. re it is what is it? It is share. It is sharing the love you have for them by saving another one of their kind. Yes. And that's what it is. It's saving them. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'll never replace my buddy or Sammy or Rudy mm -hmm. or the little girl. Well, and personalities yeah. are so different. Oh yes. You just never, if, even if you, even if you rescue the same breed, it will mm -hmm. never be the same dog. <laughs> yeah. And we had all different breeds and yeah, they're, they're all personalities are, are just like, they're all so different. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. And and that's what makes them very special and unique. I yes. mean, you know, we're all different also, you know, all of us have our own, you know, things, mm -hmm. but um, so the, getting back to the, the diabetes. Um, mm -hmm. So what changes uh, do you feel that people that have a dog, you know, and even you know, us, uh, besides cutting out sugar and things like that and, and lessening carbs, I, I would assume, mm -hmm. what type of changes should they, should they make for their, you know, little pet and, and actually for themselves? Well, you need to make sure that you read the labels carefully. Um, I'll be the first to admit, I still do kibble. There are a lot of people out there, a lot of pet owners that will not even do kibble anymore. There are some pet owners that make their own food, which you have to be especially careful with that. Oh, as yeah. you know, you have to uh, make sure they get all their nutrients yes. and that is completely admirable. I admire people that can make their own food in an ideal world. That's what I would be doing. So, um, I don't have that ideal world. So my, my fur kid is still on kibble, but you've got to watch out for stuff like byproducts mm -hmm. and like, yeah. it needs to be real meat. Um, you want to really be careful about fillers because there are a lot of fillers that they use that are not meant to be eaten by a dog. I mean, dogs are carnivores, so mm -hmm. they, and they need real meat. So what I didn't know before was that, you know, some of the, if it says byproduct, um, those type of words, it can be roadkill. I mean, it does not have to be human grade. So the other thing you're looking mm -hmm. for is you're looking for human grade meat. It is more expensive. Um, especially if you're purchasing it rather than making it, making it 
is is a life hack. That's a I, hack I for saving for money. <laughs> you got it, but then you got to have the time. So mm-hmm. it's it, you're either going to be doing a lot of research about what you're feeding your pet, mm-hmm. or you're going to be spending a lot of time and still researching because you got to make sure you're giving them everything they need. Mm-hmm. Um, but that I mean, those are huge ones. I did do a blog post on choosing the right pet food, um, where I go into a lot of detail because my next after Harley Shasta ended up with allergies. So I had to go back to the drawing board with food, um, and go into a singular protein diet to see what things he was allergic to. Turned out he was allergic to chicken. Oh, wow. Go figure. (laughs) And that's a huge one of the meat that they put into dog food. So, um, so you just, you know, each pet is going to be a little bit different, but looking for some of those key things, like looking for byproduct in your food, um, I gave myself a list. Let's see if I can find that list. I can't remember everything off the top of my head, but you know, high fiber, the complex carbohydrate, making mm-hmm. carbohydrates, making sure that it's a medium carb count um, because the blood sugars can spike from that. Um, sometimes calorie restriction um, in food, but that only is done through your vet. Don't do that by yourself. Um, yeah. And that high quality protein, those are, those are the top things I took taken notes for myself for too. The high quality protein, um, without byproduct, high fiber, complex carbohydrates that are digestible for dogs. He loves, um, organic, um, steel cut oatmeal. Yeah. And that should be really digestible for dogs. I mean, I wouldn't loves it. I don't give him much because he's Mm -hmm. only like 13 pounds. I just give him a little bit, but he loves that. He loves what I make him. (laughs) I cook for him. I make him chicken. I, he loves a little pasta every now and then. So, you know, I give him a little bit, um, but yeah, he loves uh, um, broccoli. He likes, uh, uh, he loves carrots. That was Harley's favorite treat was baby carrots. <clears throat> yeah, they are. They do have sugar in them. They have, they have the, um, it's not sugar, sugar. So it's easier to digest sugar. Digest, right. So he didn't have to give up his baby treats, which he does mention in the book. In fact, there's a picture of him. If you remember, he has got a baby carrot sticking out of his mouth. Yes. I, <laughs> I, 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 I love this book and I love the way it, it was illustrated. You know, yes. you, 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 you show, um, you know, the insulin here and, and, uh, I, I would, and for me, you know, it's a lot like how children should uh, see this too. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the other. So the second piece of it that I didn't really know would happen was I had some, so that's my second edition, by the way, that just came out in April. So if anybody's looking for the book on Amazon, make sure you look for the book that has the little yellow sticker on it that says life lessons from fur. This over here. Yes. Okay. Because it is a, it's an updated version of it and some of the pictures. So there's real pictures in it as well as the illustrations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause what I did was I hired somebody to do illustrations of the photos that did weren't as high a quality. Oh, so the first okay. book has some of those photos in it. And I've properly had this book, book properly edited, which the first book I thought was just going to family and friends. I didn't think it was going to be up for sale. So oh. it was, it turned into something else. <laughs> well, good. <laughs> um, yeah. It turned into uh-huh. something more. And so then I realized I needed to put out a better, a better edition of it. I needed to put a little more work into it, but um, my junior editors on my first edition, I literally woke up one morning and kind of wrote everything. And so I called them my junior editors and there's actually a dedication from them in the book. Um, it might be on the back of this, the new book may have it on the back cover. Um, but my one, the one junior editor, she read the book and eventually a few months later had gone to her parents and said, 
I have, I'm, I'm needing to go to the bathroom more frequently and I'm feeling really thirsty. Like Harley did in that book. Mm. Um, and they took her into the pediatrician and unfortunately she ended up with juvenile diabetes, but they knew it earlier because she had junior edited my book. Wow. That's yeah. Again, it was one of those surprise Mm -hmm. things. I had really written the book as a memorial for myself. I had lost Harley at the time I wrote the book. Oh, and you did. Okay. my mom had said, you used to love to write. So why don't you write? And so that, you know, let him continue to be a piece of your life. Mm-hmm. So I woke up one morning and the story was in my head and I sat down and wrote it down. Um, and then, you know, it continued to, uh, so that, like I said, I thought I was going to go into Shutterfly, you know, get a few copies of the book made. I took some pictures, threw them together and thought, you know, this will just be for my family who loved Harley too. Mm-hmm. And then I had people start asking, then, you know, my junior editor ended up and I went, Oh wait, that's a thing I never thought about. And then yeah. I had people asking for the book. And then I thought, then I had the, I went back to the conversation with the vet when I wrote it. And I was like, Oh yeah, there are people that don't know what the signs and symptoms are to look for. Mm-hmm. So there were all of these pieces that I hadn't realized were going to ultimately fit together. Um, and then there was the adoption piece that until one of my kids picked it up and read it and, and was pointing out similarities. And, and I was like, oh my goodness, you've got to be kidding me. That's why was that not obvious to me too, that adoption was a piece of this as well. So, so many wonderful surprises throughout it. Um, and he came into your life for a reason. Yes. Yes. And he was really the first time and people that aren't huge pet people are going to think this sounds crazy. So sorry, I'm a little bit crazy. (laughs) Me too. So it's okay. (laughs) You know, I was in my thirties and I wasn't married and there is a piece of me that when Harley came into my life, I got to be a caregiver for a pet that was fully dependent on me and was showing me unconditional love. Mm-hmm. And I really did not feel that pressure. Like I want children. And so I need to find the right person and it doesn't matter who they are. I want to be married when I have children. And so I'm going to marry somebody who may not be the right person so that I can have those children. He filled a piece of me that mm. that'll never happen again. Right. Each of our pets are special in different ways. Everybody's children are special in different ways to them. They all mean different things to us and all have different personalities, Harley filled that piece for me. Um, and when he passed, it was a huge piece of my heart. This had oh, been yeah. my companion for all these years. And he had been kind of my everything for a while. I had great friends. I had a great community of people. I have a wonderful family, but he was my all time companion for five years before my husband came into my life. Yeah. But I realized that through those five years, I was more content than I had been before. Not that my life was bad before. My mm-hmm. life was wonderful. I worked for Carnival Different. Cruise Lines for five years. I traveled the world. I did wonderful things that I could not have done with a pet. But I was very, very content with where my life was in a way that I hadn't been before. Oh, I know. They, they are special, aren't they? Yes, very, very much so. And, and I feel, you know, rescuing animals it probably is the best thing that we can do because there's so many of them that need there's so many of them that need homes just so many that Mm -hmm. need homes I just had my children go and we did our first my husband and I and my kids we did our first charity dog walk for a local shelter 
um, here in the area that we live in. Um, and, you know, our dog got to go with us and it was all for charity and um, they got to, see, you know, we're raising money for, for charity. I am hoping I got two kids that are going to have a birthday we have this split up where we were going to do one birthday, big birthday party per year per kid, but COVID changed one of them. They didn't get it last year. Mm. So we're doing a dual party. And I just found this um, example of doing a party kind of based on rescue. And for the parting gift for the kids, there's little stuffed stuffed dogs and I can do some stuffed cats. That's the gift for the party. <clears throat> and you rescue one of them and you get to name it at this naming station. And then my idea is to have the happy birthday and happy rescue kind of signed to take pictures in. Um, so I'm hoping oh, to talk my kids beautiful. into this yeah. and then let parents know that there'll be a small jar for donations to a local shelter. If it was my thing, I would say no gifts, donate to the shelter, but I don't think I can do that to a five-year-old and a six-year-old, no, I don't, I don't think, so. think they're going to go for that. <laughs> no, they're not going to go for that. I can tell you right now that I, <laughs> yeah, they're not going to go for that. They're not going to go for that even through teenage years. So. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be to their twenties and thirties, but yeah, I have eight grandchildren. So yeah, no. They, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't, ex- don't make that expectation. But if I let parents know ahead of time that there'll uh-huh. be a small jar for small donations yeah, so they can have course. their kids give mm-hmm. a couple dollars to the donation jar um, for a local shelter. And that's what I'm hoping to do with this year's birthday party. Wow. It's, it's a very good plan. Let me tell you, you know, my daughter, uh, uh, rescued actually all, she rescued two pit bulls that are absolutely unbelievable, loving. And, um, the other dog, uh, her name is Harley also. Uh, she stands like this tall. She's huge. I don't know what she is, but she's Mm -hmm. the most loving animal. And then she has two, um, cats that she rescued so that my daughter's house has five rescues I love Uh, it yeah and she's always rescued you know and and we have always because I feel they need a home you know not that very too many I went and volunteered at best friends animal sanctuary that was on Mm -hmm. my bucket list of things to do and a couple years ago prior to the kids I went and volunteered there for a couple of days and it's wonderful and heartbreaking all at the same time oh yeah even if you can't rescue, if you can go help out a local shelter, they need people to walk dogs. Yes, that's what they do on the weekends. They go to uh, L.A., Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what shelter it is, but they uh, are in the, the the not all the grandkids, just uh, two of them, uh, mm-hmm. maybe three go. And well, one's in a Marine, so he's in Africa. He can't do any of that. And then you mm-hmm. got one in college, but um, they go and they walk the dogs. You know, and, and you're and, socializing the animals, yes, you're giving uh-huh. them exercise, you're actually helping them become more adoptable. Yes. By mm-hmm. doing that, because like what happened with your two that were just blessed to have you. I mean, that shelter person was not helping get anybody no, rescued by saying all. these guys are mean. They're not, they're not friendly. They don't like anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah volunteering. Mm-hmm. Volunteering is yeah. just, and so as soon as I can get my kids into doing it, although I understand after just even this dog walk they, well, it's a, it was a shelter walk because they brought shelter animals that needed to be rescued to the walk. And my, my kids were begging for one of the cats. Mm-hmm. And oh, that's what happens. Yeah. That's so, how my, but my, my husband daughter, yeah. is a one animal when he, when oh, we okay. got married. Mm-hmm. So I had Harley when we got <laughs> married, he had only lived in a home where pets were outside. He'd grown up oh. on a farm in Oregon and pets were outside. They were not part of the family and in the house. So this was a huge change for my husband. Um, And he loves, he loves our animals. He loves our dogs. 
Um, it, it taught us about talking about children. Harley gave us a lot of very good life lessons about talking about kids. Cause we had it for the first, I, I don't know, probably year of our marriage. There was a weekly conversation about the dog. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my, my, mine always slept with me, with, with us. Um, even the Roddy would, would sleep with, you know, not much room for us to sleep. I was going to say, have but, you seen yeah. the memes about the dog taking over the bed? Cause that's yes. about what that sounds like. That's, you know, <laughs> uh, at one point, uh, we had Rudy, the little girl and Alex, the three of them lucky for us. They were all under, you know, they were like between 13 and 15 pounds, mm-hmm. but one would sleep by my head here. The other one would sleep here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't have blankets many nights. Um, yep. I wasn't able to actually move without them doing. Mm, Amazing mm. what we do for our animals. Cause yeah, yeah, you'll, you'll just stay curled up in the same spot while they yes, take up yeah. the bed. Well, now I don't want to you... disturb the dog. So I don't want to move. <laughs> That's what I do with Alex. I, I do not want to disturb him. And mm-hmm. I just, I leave him alone. I say, okay. Yeah. I can have this much blanket. We're good. We're good. As mm-hmm. long as some of me is covered, I'm okay. <laughs> so yeah, right. we, we, we do. We, we'll do anything for our pets. Mm-hmm. Anything. Definitely. I've always Definitely. said that. Mm-hmm. I've always said that. So, wow. So, all right. So you have the one dog and mm-hmm. the four children. Yep. Where, where do you see yourself if, you know, and you're, you're a nurse. You're still a nurse, right? I'm you're still like- a nurse practitioner. I still see patients. Um, mm-hmm. I work out of an internal medicine practice um, and I see patients three days a week. Uh, so I want to continue writing. I just got accepted into a, geno- a genomics program. It's, it's about genes. So I've been doing uh, early detection uh, screenings for genetic mutations for cancer risk oh, for my okay. patients. I just started doing that in April. Um, and the, I got accepted into the city of hopes six month course to be certified in it. So I start school again for that. I have, I'm a lifelong <laughs> learner. I love to continue to learn. So, and I like to be able to bring my patients more preventative, um, or early detection management for their health. Instead of sticking a bandaid on something that's already broke, I'd like to try to help prevent. So the good news is that medicine has started to shift that direction somewhat. Yes. I've seen it a little bit. Um, yeah. But that has how I've always wanted to practice. So, you know, I start my coursework here, October 29th. Um, I still have, if if I could show you my stack, I have a stack of books on grief and kids that's about this big for researching, going, writing my next book. Next book. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know. And I have my blog, which if you look at that, it started out as a pet health and wellness blog and it's uh, now morphed into a family blog, but boy, there's a lot of gaps in between writing. I used to try to write at least once a month or every couple of months I tried to get writing in. And well, it's a little challenging um, now. <laughs> I, got, I got, just got a few things going on. In fact, yeah, I got kids that are going to need to be picked up from school here in the next 45 minutes. And then we've got to drop, we've got to drop myself and my oldest off at occupational therapy for 30 <laughs> minutes and then go do the rest of the pickups and then come back. And then my husband has a reception for his work stuff tonight. So it's just, it, it's, my mother says what? that my schedule has always made her tired oh, um, okay. <laughs> and it just uh-huh. hasn't, I'm always, I don't know if you know Enneagrams, but I'm an Enneagram three and it's, <laughs> it's that constant, constant needing to continue to be productive. I'm that way too. And, and it, it's not slowing down. So 
That's so I can anticipate, I can anticipate yeah. that this uh, will be me forever. Forever. Yeah. <laughs> and it's okay. You know, as long as we do have some, you know, me time and self-care yeah. and respect our bodies, then we're, right. we're, we're good. We're good. To Which I love in your book. I plan on using your pre-work whole getting your body ready for work. I'm excited. I just got it yesterday, but I saw that whole chapter and I'm like, that is for me. I need to start doing that. And I probably need to do it even on days I'm not working, honestly, because I'm obviously still working to well, an extent, yeah. but the things I love, like writing mm -hmm. is part for me, writing is part yes. is self-care. Um, it's something that I love and I enjoy and I find relaxing. So as long as I'm not putting pressure on myself to do it, I, I love to do it. So yeah, let it just flow. And I have a couple of friends who we were all, we met through, um, there was a blogging, um, it was called blog pause. There were conferences that we went to for a lot of years. Um, and we became really close friends or some of my best friends all over the country and two of them, we actually have been planning to start our own podcast called our rescued lives. Um, and it's been in the works for wow. like three years and we haven't recorded one podcast, but yet, but I own it. We have a logo for it. Well, there you go. So you <laughs> we just have all have this stuff. Yeah. We just have to actually find yeah. time to do it. But yeah, because we want to be able to talk about not just rescuing pets, but children, children. rescuing our kitchens, rescuing our holidays. <laughs> um, so we figure our rescued uh -huh. lives can cover a whole gamut of things. Oh, it'll be a forever podcast. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you have that energy. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Wow. Well, where can people get a hold of you? <laughs> so I am fairly easy because everything is Denise Grzynski. So it's D-E-N-I-S-E-G-R-U-Z-E-N as in Nancy, S-K-Y, thanks to my husband. So it's denisegrzynski.com. Okay. I'm at Denise underscore Grzynski on um uh, Boy, both Instagram and Pinterest, both, although okay. Pinterest, I'm not on very often. And then Denise Krasinski um, is my open page um, on, on Facebook. And I'm pretty active on Facebook and Instagram. Oh, so I have to check you out there. Cause I mean, I, I found you, you know, through the podcast the mm -hmm. company. And yes, I want to do the reverse too. So yeah, well, I am you. so excited to have found you. Like, I think I, I mentioned when we started, I just listened to your podcast with the principal and went on and signed up for her class and bought the two books she talked about during that podcast. <laughs> she's incredible. That lady, she's unbelievable. I mean, everybody has their own, you know, their own special uniqueness about them. And their mm -hmm. gifts that they need to share, like you. I mean, sharing about the book with, you know, Harley's story and your writings and being a, a nurse and adopting four children. I mean, God bless you. Oh, God bless you. you. Well, and you are bringing such joy and light to everybody into your world as well um, with your podcast and your information and your book. My so book. Yeah. thank you for everything you do as well. Well, it's my pleasure. So, um, when this goes on YouTube and Spotify and Apple and all those good places, <laughs> all your information and about you and about Harley, this beautiful, I'm going to show it one more time. I mean, go on, it's my, Amazon, right? My sweet and, baby. Yes. Buy this book. It's just what I, I was like sitting here reading it. I have to tell you, I almost started crying. Mm. you know I could well feel your story it touches your heart so, in ways yeah. too and I said myself oh you know it was um it was heartfelt let me put it that mm. way <laughs> With, well, without you. getting emotional right now but um thank I you. thank you so much for coming on 
Thank so, you for uh, having me. This has been such a pleasure chatting with you. Oh, same. And here. I hope to stay in contact with you. Yes, we will. Believe me, we have a lot more to talk about. <laughs> All Thank right. You. Well, you know, uh, I want to just, uh, Thank everybody for listening today and a very, very big thank you to my guest, uh, Denise. And I hope you heard what you needed to hear and go on Amazon and, and again, buy that book, Carly's story and look her up. Um, uh, she has, a, especially on Facebook, she has so much uh, information to offer to everybody. So again, thank you for listening and visit me uh, at motivateyourlife.net. And also please uh, visit my YouTube channels, uh, I have one called Barbara Savin, and there there's uh, meditations for grounding and sleep and relaxation. And my new YouTube channel, The Spiritual Warrior Coach, please subscribe and like uh, and listen to all the amazing, wonderful uh, guests that I you know, have on there, including Denise today, who's been just amazing, so much information and thank you. Um, so, you know, uh, and for those of you maybe interested in learning energy healing, Go on Amazon and uh, check out my book, Gentle Energy Touch, The Beginner's Guide to Hands-On Healing. And do the same. Ah, oh, thank you. <laughs> Let me, I'll put you right on. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Okay, you oh, can show it. <laughs> there <laughs> we go. <laughs> I should have a copy of my book in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, Denise. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah. So, you know, thank you for listening again and have a beautiful week filled with love and with light. Love. Barbara. Please visit my website www.motivateyourlife.net or email me barbara e savin at aol.com. Visit and subscribe to my YouTube channel Barbara Savin and the Spiritual Warrior Coach Podcast. My guest today was Denise Gruzenski, and for more information, visit www.denisegruzenski.com.